if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we're rolling. It is the it is a Tuesday, the sixth morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2021. And we've got a great show lined up for you today. A lot of important things to discuss and a couple of important guests with which to discuss those things. But before we do anything on this Tuesday, let us all get together, put our hands on our hearts, stand up unless you're driving and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. Stand up and say it with me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Nice job, everyone. Nice job, indeed. Everyone, and especially our young leader, we will indeed feature children as much as we can on our Pledge of Allegiance. We have Pledge of Allegiance. We have to save our republic, and it begins with that generation. Okay, coming up on the program today, many of you know who David Horowitz is. <clears throat> David Horowitz is a best-selling author, uh, among many other things. Uh, but most specifically, he is a best-selling author. His latest book is called The Enemy Within. Um, and you may know him as a hardcore conservative stalwart, and he is all of that. Uh, you probably read his work on Front Page uh, magazine, frontpage.com. Uh, he is, uh, um, like I said, he's just one of the most, one of the foremost uh, conservative pundits working. He's going to join us at 9:35. What you may not have known about him is that he once was the polar opposite of himself. He was once a Marxist revolutionary. Fifty years ago, he was working with the Black Panthers. He was editing the uh, Ramparts, the largest magazine of the radical left. He was indeed a radical Marxist who was hell-bent on changing the United States from the uh, constitutional democratic republic that she is into something that obviously the Marxists envision. Uh, He made a turn. He voted in 1984 for Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan opened his eyes and he never turned back. That's when he created the David Horowitz Freedom Center to fight the left. And as I said, uh, he's an author and a pundit, columnist, speaker, and more. So David Horowitz has a new book out called The Enemy Within, and he's going to talk to us about what um, threats we face from within and how there are still currently cultural Marxists 
Marxist revolutionaries, if you will, like he used to be, working very, very hard. But unlike uh, that time in the 60s, when he was a part of this movement, it is gaining much more traction now among mainstream American leftists. There have been leftists who, who don't necessarily believe in Marxism or socialism. They will still embrace capitalism, but they're leftists in social thinking in other ways. But um, this is really the first time since the, that period of time in the 60s that Marxism and socialism has taken on some sort, some kind of a popular tone, a populist type of uh, tone, and it is gaining traction in mainstream leftist circles rather than radical leftist circles, and that makes it much more dangerous because there are millions and millions of leftists in this country. Most of them don't want to destroy the country. Only the radicals do. But now it's starting to catch up. And we're going to talk to David Horowitz about that at 9.35. Then at 10.10, you should know what it is. It's Tuesday. That means it's Kersenow Day, and Peter Kersenow will be with us to join, to uh, discuss all of the day's most important news. Hey, I want to say real quick, <clears throat> I want to give a shout-out and a thank you to the Polish priest yesterday. You remember, right, yesterday? I played audio for you yesterday of a priest at a Canadian church whose parishioners were being harassed essentially uh, being uh, targeted by Canadian police officers who had responded to some Karen's phone call or another and came there during a Passover, an Easter weekend. This is a Christian, uh, a non-denominational Christian church, I believe, but came during Easter weekend during a service to bust, intimidate, or force um, parishioners into wearing masks while they prayed in church. So somebody made the phone call. The police show up six strong. And again, I said this yesterday. Three were uniformed officers. The other three were plainclothes, whether they were officers or, I don't know, health department workers or whatever the case might be. Not sure. But six members strong. They came to arrest or cite or force or intimidate or whatever um, the Christians praying during their Easter service with no masks on. And the Polish priest was not having it. Just a reminder, if you didn't hear this yesterday, here's a little bit of Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Get out of this property. Immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property. Immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property. Immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out. Out. Out! 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 Out of this property! Immediately out! Immediately go out and don't come back. Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. Out of this property. Out of this property. Immediately out. I love this guy. I don't care what you have to say. Out! Out! Out of this property, you Nazis! Out! Out! Gestapo is not allowed here. Immediately, Gestapo is not allowed. Out! Do you understand English? Get out of this property. Go. So go. Go. And don't come back without a warrant. Out, Nazi. Out. 
Ouch! I think you get the gist of it by now. There's about another minute of that to come. Uh, and then commentary at the end as they exit the building and walk down the block toward their cars with their tails between their legs. The, uh, the, the Polish priest in this Canadian church continued to comment about how unbelievable it was that they came in there to do Can this. Can you imagine those psychopaths? Passover, the holiest Christian festival in a year and they're coming to intimidate christians during the holiest festival unbelievable what is wrong with those sick psychopaths it's beyond me so um first of all two or three things from that number one i don't like calling the the police officers nazis and gestapo i think i don't think really too much of anybody should be called nazis um in the modern age, there has been nothing quite like Nazis uh, and quite like what happened in the Holocaust. But nonetheless, I do understand his point when he said Gestapo, the secret police coming in there to disrupt peaceful people's lives and so on and so forth. Now, I don't like that for two reasons. One, because of the characterization of anybody as Nazis, it's not fair. Number two, I support police officers. However, I do not support this because police officers should not be used in such ways. This is ridiculous to try to force, and I would get, I would bet, and I said this yesterday, 99.5% of police officers all over America, and probably Canada, want nothing to do with enforcing ridiculous mask rules like this. So I want to say that. Secondly, I want to call attention to the really impressive way that the priest, in this case, managed to combine two, two words into another shouting of, out. Ouch! Gestapo is not allowed here. Immediately, Gestapo is not allowed. <laughs> Gestapo is not allowed. Morphed right into out. I was just really impressed by that. Now, why am I rehashing all of this from yesterday? Because sometimes, you know, the fates just smile upon you. And because of this Polish priest and his impassioned defense for his... um parishioners against mask police up in Canada, I have found the new clip to play whenever I hang up on an ignorant liberal caller. So from now on, if you're an ignorant liberal caller and you're spewing all of your nonsense and your, fa- and your uh, false facts and your, um, you know, your ideological lies and so on and so forth, if you do indeed hear a click, you're not going to hear a dial tone if your radio is still on because what you are going to hear is... What you are going to hear is, come on, come on, Father. Ouch! 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 Immediately out! I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. I don't care what you have to say. Ouch! That's going to be the new, that's going to be the new um, get rid of liberal callers uh, soundbite. That's just the way that it's going to go. And I absolutely love it. And I also love that man and I love his passion. Okay, that's enough of the fun stuff for the start of the show. Now... Before we take our first break, I want to say, you know, we, we, I've got Governor Envy. I've admitted this about Florida. You know, they've got a great leader like Mike DeWine, or excuse me. Let me redo that. They've got a great leader like Ron DeSantis who has opened up their state, who has kept their economy humming along, who has kept the people safe during the pandemic, did not ruin the people's lives. Uh, kept schools open. Ron DeSantis on one hand, and what do we have? We have Mike DeWine, who has just been a weasel from the from the very beginning. 
who has done everything he could to improve and increase his own power while harming the people of this great state, harming businesses, harming companies, corporations, families, and so on and so forth. So I've had Governor Envy from Florida, excuse me, for a bit now. Now I must acknowledge I have Governor Envy from Texas as well, or for Texas. Texas Governor Greg Abbott. You remember the story we told you all about yesterday, and it's all over the news. I won't pretend I'm the only one covering it. As a matter of fact, there are very few people who aren't covering Major League Baseball's exit from the state of Georgia and the All-Star Game uh, for uh, this July. It was scheduled for Atlanta. Well, in response to baseball pulling the All-Star Game and $100 million of economic revenue for the state of Georgia and for specifically the city of Atlanta in Fulton County, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas is boycotting Major League Baseball. He loves his Texas Rangers. He has thrown out the first pitch at Rangers games before. He was going to do it this year, yesterday. He was supposed to throw the first pitch out yesterday at the Texas Rangers game, which, by the way, had full attendance because Texas, again, more governor envy here, Texas revoked all of their pre-pandemic restrictions, masking laws, attendance laws, and, and limits, and so on and so forth. So yesterday, he was supposed to throw out the first pitch in front of a sold-out crowd, and Greg Abbott rejected the invitation, not out of disrespect to the Rangers as an organization. He loves them. But he said he is personally boycotting all Major League Baseball events because of what they just did to the city of Atlanta, the workers, the businesses in Atlanta, and all throughout Georgia, and really what what it is doing to the people of the United States. Because what baseball has done here is continued and expanded upon a cancel culture that is making it impossible for you and me and millions and millions of Americans to engage in our free speech. To do things, to say things, to establish things, to express things as we see fit. Because if we somebody doesn't like it, cancel culture is coming. More and more people are losing their jobs. And they're not all public figures. Many of them are private workers in corporations, boardrooms, classrooms, etc., etc. They're losing their jobs because they're not woke enough. They're not saying the right things according to the far left. So Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, is standing up and saying, we will not stand by and abide by Major League Baseball canceling Atlanta, Georgia, canceling the All-Star Game from Georgia over nothing more than a new voter law that expands voting options and restricts opportunities to cheat. In other words, it protects voter integrity, election integrity. We're not going to do this. So Greg Abbott yesterday, rather than taking the mound in his wheelchair, he said, thank you for the invitation to throw out the first pitch at the Rangers' home opening game. I was looking forward to it until Major League Baseball adopted what has turned out to be a false narrative about how the election law reforms in Georgia, or about the election law reforms in Georgia, And based on that false narrative, moved the Major League Baseball All-Star Game from Atlanta. It is shameful, the governor said, that America's pastime is not only being influenced by partisan political politics, that's a little redundant, but also perpetuating false political narratives. The state of Texas was proud to help MLB host last season's National League playoff games and the World Series in Arlington. However, I will not participate in any event held by MLB and the state will not seek to host the All-Star Game or any other MLB special events. 
This decision does not diminish the deep respect I have for the Texas Rangers baseball organization, which is outstanding from top to bottom. I wish the team great respect this season. So that was phenomenal. I've got Governor Envy. When is the last time you saw Mike DeWine stand up and take a stand? When is the last time you saw the bespectacled buffoon do something on behalf of the people rather than on behalf of his own personal power? I've got more on that, but I need a timeout now at 922. Right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 925, we continue. I'm going to hit you with one more story on the... um, Baseball All-Star game being pulled from, uh, from Atlanta because of the impact of this. Now, I want you to really listen closely when I tell you this part of the story. I want you to really listen closely because, like me, when you're done hearing this part, you'll be searching your thesaurus for new words to, uh, to use in place of stupid to describe American liberals, to describe the woke American left. Sadly, you'll be disappointed, as I was, because I looked in my thesaurus, or actually I looked at thesaurus.com. I don't own a paper thesaurus anymore. I couldn't find one that sufficed. I could not find one that satisfactorily described how completely ignorant, stupid, uh, nonsensible, incomprehensible the American left is for what they just did in Georgia. And here's what I mean. Major League Baseball and all of its wokeness, in all of its wokeness, pulled the All-Star game from Georgia because they instituted a new voter ID law. And voter ID laws, according to the woke left, are racist. Suppresses black votes. Disenfranchises minorities. We can't be a part of that, baseball said. We are taking this game out of the state of Georgia. And it's oppressive voter ID laws. Well, they decided that two, three days ago. Now, apparently today, they're ready to make their announcement of where they will hold the game instead of this terrible, vote-suppressing, disenfranchising state of Georgia and their voter ID laws. And the announcement is that they're going to Colorado. They're going to play the game at Coors Field in Denver. Yeah! Blue State, Woke, Denver. They'll be a much more appropriate place for us to hold our All-Star game in July. Let's put a hundred thousand, or excuse me, a hundred million dollars of economic growth into Denver and into Colorado rather than Atlanta and Georgia. That'll show them. Except that nobody instructed MLB Commissioner Rod Manfred to take a quick look-see at Georgia's voting laws. Or rather, at Colorado's voting laws. Moving from Georgia to Colorado. Nobody, nobody advised him that it might be a good idea to look at what Colorado's voting laws look like. Because if they had, they would have known what many of us already knew. Colorado has what? Colorado has a voter ID law, 
which is just as strong, if not stronger, than the one they are trying to escape from racist, vote-suppressing, disenfranchising Georgia. Colorado gets the All-Star game with their voter ID Can law. you dig it? <laughs> Like I said, look for words. How stupid do these woke leftist individuals have to be? Do you know that in the state of Colorado, all voters must provide ID? The vast majority of the allowed forms are indeed photo ID. The following documents are among the acceptable forms of identification in Colorado. A valid driver's license or valid identification card issued by the Colorado Department of Revenue. A valid U.S. passport with photo. A valid employee identification card with photo. A valid pilot's license with photo. A valid U.S. military identification card with photo. A valid student identification card with photo. A valid veteran identification card issued by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs with photo of the eligible elector. A valid identification card issued by a federally recognized tribal government certifying tribal membership. So this is, this is incredible. Now they do allow a few non-photo bearing forms of identification as well, such as the typical utility bill uh, or um, tax filing or what are some of the other things that they have in there? Uh, paycheck, proof of paycheck, government documents showing your name and your address and identifying you as such. But the point is this voter identification law is just as if not more strict than the one in Georgia that they just yanked the All-Star game from. Like I said, take a look through your local thesaurus or your online thesaurus. Find me a word that, that, that improves upon stupid, and we'll apply it to the far-left woke Democrats who are continuing to run this country into the ground. What a bunch of bumbling buffoons. Back after the news. Okay, nine thirty. Okay, nine thirty-six. Uh, what did I just hear in my ear? Our guest just dropped off. We have to re. Okay, we're going to have to reconnect with our guest. Thank you, uh, Andrew. Uh, okay, I was about to introduce David Horowitz, but uh, he just dropped off of the line. We'll try to reestablish that connection, maybe work on a landline this time so we don't have that happen again. Uh, but uh, David Horowitz is going to be joining us. David is who uh, runs the. Um, uh, Freedom Center. Uh, David Horowitz is just a uh, a brilliant pundit, a conservative pundit, really one of the most reliable conservative conservative voices uh, working in the United States and has been for decades. Whoever would have known that David Horowitz once was a cultural Marxist, was a Marxist revolutionary in his own words. Um, but that's exactly what he was. Um, I mean, this article that he has written, which is about essentially explaining why he wrote the book 
the most recent book that he has written, The Enemy Within, uh, revealing how a totalitarian movement is destroying America, uh, destro- destroying America excuse me, uh, is really remarkable. I, did, I didn't even know this about David Horowitz's um, uh, history, uh, but this is exactly what he wants you to know and why he wants you to know it. And I understand he is back on the line now, so let's bring David Horowitz uh, back onto our program or onto our program for the first time in a bit. He is the best-selling author of The Enemy with, Within. David Horowitz, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, it is good to talk to you. I'm I mean, sorry, go ahead, sir. How a, how a totalitarian movement is destroying America. The totalitarian movement is the Democrat Party today. For 50 years, the radical left, which I was a member of them, hate America left, the cultural Marxists, uh, have been infiltrating the Democrat Party. And with the Obama administration, they took it over. Uh, and uh, we have a, a dementia case as the president. I think this is one of the most irresponsible acts uh, that a major party has ever committed to put up this basket case and, you know, manipulate him. Uh, we don't know who's making policy in our country now, uh, but this is the anti-American left. And I say this of the whole Obama, uh, the whole Biden administration. Uh, how do I know they hate America? Well, on the first day of in office, the first statements he made, if you recall, uh, he he took this Black Lives Matter line, which he got directly from them, and said, and he said that systemic racism affects every aspect of American life. No, it doesn't. There is no systemic racism uh, in American life for a simple reason, and that is that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 outlaws systemic racism, institutional racism. If, it, if there were racism, say, in our police departments, I mean systemic racism, not the oddball um, individual but if there were systemic racism against black people, there would be tens of thousands of suits uh, under this law, collecting millions and millions of dollars. Uh, if you think, as Democrats seem to think, that any white person who disagrees with them is a white supremacist, there are thousands or tens of thousands of black attorneys. There are black attorney generals. There are black district attorneys. Are black police chiefs, they're black mayors, black city council members. I, you know, you could go on and on. They would be filing suits, but they're not because there is no systemic racism. This is just one of the gigantic lies that the Democrat Party lives by. This, the same lie calling, as Biden called the law in the re- reform of the voting law in Georgia. In Georgia, right? Jim, Jim Crow. David, let me race as a weapon uh, to to destroy anybody who disagrees with them. David, let me uh, let me jump in here for a second because uh, we're already up to kind of current event politics and talking about the Georgia voter law and the current uh, dementia uh, dementia sufferer in chief. But I want to go chronologically here, if we could. Okay, um, most sure. people know you as the founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center and the best-selling author and the conservative activist, etc. Most people don't know your history, and you started out talking about it here with the beginning of your commentary as, you know, you you were one of the leftist 
radicals. You were a Marxist revolutionary 50 years ago. Yeah. Can you tell That's us, correct. A, tell us, A, a little bit more about that, and then, B, what converted you? What What was it about Ronald uh, Reagan right. when you voted Reagan in 84, his second term? What What made you see the light that you saw, David? Okay, I was brought up by card-carrying communists. Everybody that we trusted and knew in our community of communists uh, was, a, was a, a card-carrying member of the Communist Party and wanted Stalin to win the Cold War. Um, my parents and their friends never used the word communist to describe themselves. It was always progressive. So when you hear that word progressive, you think of that. Uh, I, I was one of the founders of the New Left in the 60s. I edited the, its largest magazine, and I was um, recruited, at, I guess, by a Hollywood producer, the guy who produced Easy Rider, um, to work for the, with the Black Panther Party. And I knew he knew um, I raised a lot of money for the Panthers and bought a Baptist church that was uh, we turned into a school. Um, and I recruited my bookkeeper at, at Ramparts, the magazine I edited, mm -hmm. to keep the books of the school, because I believed our propaganda that the government was racist and that I felt they had to keep the books well, which is ridiculous. Um, if, the, if the government didn't bend over backwards to protect black leftists, uh, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton would be in jail for tax evasion and other uh, infractions. In fact, they're a protected species. Uh, in 1974, um, the, Panthers, the Panthers murdered this woman. Uh, she was 42 years old and the mother of three children, the bookkeeper. Uh, and that stopped me. That, that, that actually crushed me at the time. I felt responsible for recruiting her. Um, <clears throat> uh, and, of course, they got away with the murder. Um, but all my friends on the left, all the progressives, supported them. My best friend said to me, the white power structure killed Betty. That's what he said. And that happened. That was uh, December 74. She disappeared. Uh, her body was fished out of San Francisco Bay in uh, February. And in April, the left won its great Cold War victory. It drove America out of Vietnam. And the Vietnamese communists proceeded to slaughter two and a half million peasants in Indochina. Uh, that, that's, that's what happened with the communist takeover. There wasn't one demonstration by the so-called anti-war crowd. Not one demonstration against the communist slaughter. It, there never was an anti-war movement. It's always, always an anti-American movement. And uh, that's when uh, I and my partner, Peter Collier, uh, wrote an article for the Washington Post. Our title was Better Ron Reagan, that is, than Red. Better Ron than Red. The Post called it Lefties for Reagan. Um, and that started the second half of my life, which has been fighting this life. So when you, hold on, when you first endorsed Ronald Reagan, you were still considered yourself to be a leftist? Uh, no. Um, my break with the left came uh, 
pretty much around 1980. I didn't, didn't vote for Reagan the first time. Okay, got it. Was it was in 84. I, I already do. Well, the minute we came out with our article, Lefties for Reagan, uh, I, I lost every friend I had in life from childhood on. Every single one of them. They were all leftists, and mm-hmm. they weren't, in the end, really friends. They, we, we were political allies. And the left is pretty ruthless which is why you might notice how they all march in lockstep. You would expect there to be more than one Democrat uh, queasy about the way they're bankrupting the country now. But everybody's afraid to step out of line because you get cut off from all your friends. Yeah, the cancel, well, the, in the cancel culture, you get cut off from your job now, too. D- David Horowitz, I, you know, I call it... A, it's a, it's a fascist culture or a communist culture. There's really no difference. You're, I, I completely concur. I completely concur. I want to I want to go back to something you said a moment ago, and tie it to the present. Um, you talked about you know the 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 you know kind of pre civil rights era of the '60s, and you talked about the Black Panthers, and you talked about how they claimed that the government was racist at the time. Well, they're claiming that now. Um, but the difference is, you know, pre-civil rights and in the actual Jim Crow, they're trying to call this Jim Crow 2.0 now because of the Georgia voting law, for example, which you referenced a moment ago. But back then, there probably was some element to policies and laws put forth by the government that were not equal, did not provide equal treatment for all races. But that's a very different thing than today. The Democrat Party is a party of liars. They all lie, and they lie... Oh, virtually every time they move their lips on these things. Racism for them is opposition to the Democrat Party and its agendas. Uh, It has nothing to do with real Look, the biggest racist organization in America is the Nation of Islam and Louis Farrakhan. And they're all wrapped around Farrakhan. Uh, You know, all these Black Lives Matter people, they worship at Farrakhan's altar. Uh, according in my day, I, I would never have said a black person can't be a racist. You know, I've been marching for civil rights since 1948. Um, but my idea of civil rights is everybody has got to be treated equally. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not that you have to agree with me, but there's this best-selling book by Ibram Kendi, uh, semi-illiterate fellow who wrote a book called um, Racism and Mm Anti-Racism. And anti-racism is anything um, that's leftist. (laughs) And racism is to disagree with that. Uh, you know, for, for example, well, anti-racism is extremely important to understand too. Doesn't mean disagreeing. It even remains being silent. If you are if you are silent and and just say I'm not part of this fight, I don't want anything to do with it, then, then you right. are perceived as being racist because you didn't actively speak out but against it. Andy. Therefore, you're not enough anti-racist. Yeah, but it's this jerk and his friends who are racist, and, and of course, you know the Twitter guy. Gave him ten million dollars to set up an institute. I mean, he's hugely influential, and we have we have these uh, this diversity industry, which is indoctrinating people in our military and business, and the universities, which are gone, uh, in anti-white racism, and nobody will say it. And it's so blatant. 
uh, Ashley Babbitt was a an Air Force veteran, 14 year served in the Air Force, and she was murdered by a Capitol policeman on January 6th. Uh, she was unarmed. They just shot her and killed her. Uh, the Democrat Party, is, nobody knows the name of the Capitol Police officer who did that. Nope. Uh, most people don't, have never heard of Ashley Babbitt. Uh, on the other hand, this follower of Farrakhan, a white-hating, Jew-hating, America-hating black man, uh, you know, rammed his car into and killed a Capitol Police officer. And the whole media, they're all leftists, covered up this guy's race and his allegiances. He's a jihadist. Uh, it's just uh, and once those and once the race and his allegiances became known, the story died. We have not heard anybody talk about that event, which was just four days ago. We have not heard about it since. As soon as it became exactly. known that it was a black male who was a follower of of, uh, of of Louis Farrakhan's Nation of Islam, the story died in the national media. You're a the Democrat right. Party is a racist party. All its leaders are racist. Like Kamala Harris or AOC. They're all rank racists. And my book, this book I've written, The Enemy Within, is all about this. It's where this, these ideas come from. Uh, you know, the organizations, uh, we're giving out national book awards to raving lunatic racists like Ta-Nehisi Coates, celebrated in all the leading elite cultural elite institutions like the New Yorker, the Atlantic, New York Times. The New York Times has its own Hate America project. It's called the 1619 Project, and it attempts almost a whole curriculum uh, that moves the founding of America from 1776, which was a declaration of freedom and equality, right. to 1619, when allegedly 20 slaves were brought to Virginia. That's a lie. Both of, everything that I've said here that the Times is supporting and Tulitzer is a lie, and it's a correct. Slavery was outlawed in Virginia in, uh, in the 17th century. And unfortunately, that history, yeah, that history is lost on the the woke uh, leftists of today. Uh, David Horowitz is my guest, the founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center and the author of many best-selling books. The latest and most important is The Enemy Within, How a Totalitarian Movement is Destroying America. David uh, recognizes totalitarianism and Marxism because he used to be a Marxist. So if anybody can speak to this, David can. Make sure you pick up The Enemy Within by David Horowitz. David, thank you for coming on today today and sharing and we'll talk to you again soon sir thanks for having me thank you appreciate you all right 952 let's take a time out come right back on am 1420 the answer okay 957 short one here. Let's uh, take a call from Jan, who's in Greater Cleveland, on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Jan. Go right ahead. Oh, oh hi, Bob. When I heard uh, Horowitz mention the Progressive Party, it took me back to the 40s when I campaigned against a guy named Wallace, who had been uh, the vice president for Roosevelt. And uh, I had a very insightful teacher, and she w- told us about 
communist, and she associated the communists with the Rooster Party. And anyone I came in contact with, and I was very young at the time, mm-hmm. uh, I just warned them about the Rooster Party. Uh, I, over the years, the the uh, the Communist Party has been busy, but they have been diabolically deceitful until they had enough in their ranks, and now there are enough in their ranks. And I don't think anyone in that party admires uh, uh, Martin Luther King or John Kennedy anymore. Mr. Farrakhan has taken over, and uh, I just. Uh, you know, I just think uh, the the progressives have been around a long time, and they are communist. Thank they you are, very much. Th- thank you, Jan. I appreciate the history lesson and the own experiences. Um, yeah, we've we've figured it out <clears throat> a while back that the dream is dead, right? I mean, the dream that was espoused by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is dead. His dream was a colorblind society. Today's Democrats, today's black activists, in an, in an exact reversal of Martin Luther King's dream, say that if you are colorblind, you are complicit in racism. You have to, you have to forcibly make yourself not colorblind. See race, see color of skin, make decisions and judgments based upon color of skin, not content of character. It's a remarkable thing, to be honest. If you're, if you're really honest, it's, it's an incredible thing. If you'd have told me that 50 years after Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, we would literally be throwing dirt upon that and burying it into the ground and saying, bull crap, it's all about color now. And if I see no pigmentation in your skin, i.e. you are a white devil, then you will be called a white devil. If your light-colored, fair, pale skin is visible, then you will be branded a racist, you will be branded a supremacist, you will be branded privileged, you will be branded all of the worst things in the world, and you're the problem in this country. And if I see brown skin, you will be branded as a victim. You will forever be challenged. You will be thought of less than. You will be thought of as being incapable of doing things other people can do because of the privilege and the supremacy of the other ones. We will see race in everything. There will be no content of character judged here. You'd have told me that. Never would have believed it. Never in a billion years. But that is where we are today. All right, it's 10 o'clock in time for news. Kersenow joins us next on AM 1420.